We can't launch into this episode without taking a moment to acknowledge what's happening in the world right now. While we do plan to continue to be our usual upbeat, grumpy, silly, chatty selves throughout this podcast, we do want to take a moment to be serious, to be sad and to be angry. We stand with the black community. We understand that we are undereducated and privileged. We have a lot to learn and have so much growth to do internally alongside our external work. We made the decision to donate our May Patreon money to the Black Visions Collective and will continue to educate ourselves and try to amplify black voices across our social media as this movement continues. This is a revolution, not a one-time event, and we are dedicated to doing the work. We want to make it incredibly clear where we stand before we continue. Black lives matter. The police systems in the UK, US and much of the world are broken. We support the protests. We see you. We are listening. We are learning. And we will make mistakes. This will not deter us. We stand with you. Black Lives Matter. Hello. Welcome to Dot Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing... Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 20 of Northern Lights, at Outrance. Or is it? <laughs> How do you pronounce it? <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's been a little while. It has, yeah. Uh, We took a little break last week to direct all of you lovely listeners towards some other podcasts that we felt were more important to listen to. And I really hope that some of you have taken the time to listen to those podcasts and that you found some new favourites out there because the list we gave was not extensive, but some really great, some really great people on there. As we mentioned up in the intro, we wanted to amplify black voices. And part of that was to send you guys to some different podcasts. And also we did share on... Uh, socials as well like the books that we're reading and listening to and the podcasts and documentaries and we're trying to move through that list and it's not exhaustive but I for one I'm I'm learning so much and it's kind of highlighted for me how little I knew before it's one of those things where you think you think you know stuff yeah (laughs) you think you had any kind of level of education at secondary school and sixth form and then you realize that we just didn't get taught like half the history of the UK and a majority of the history of everywhere else, which is, you know, I mean, the world's pretty big, but I learned way more about Hitler than I needed to. Oh, God, same. And I'm kind of like, I'm angry at our school system for not teaching us, especially about racism really within the UK towards black people and in the US as well. But I'm kind of looking forward to and appreciating the time that I'm spending educating myself because I think that it's so important to do that and it's I want to spend the time doing that and I want to learn so much and I'm so I'm so um aware of my own privilege and that a privilege that's never going to go away and I think putting my time into learning as much as I can it's just really, really important. And I think I would encourage all of our white listeners to do the same if they can. Definitely. I think it's a really big sign of our privilege that it's 
I've had a lot of these books on my reading list for a while and it's yeah. only just now that everything has kind of slapped you in the face and gone, why the fuck haven't you been reading these already? Absolutely. And now I'm, yeah, I'm learning so much. And a lot of it is like thoughts you already know you have or systems of oppression that you recognise but you don't have the words and the terminology to properly process and understand them. And when somebody lays it out for you, I'm currently listening to How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, and he talks so clearly about all of the different systems and forms in which racism exists, and this is what being racist is, this is what being anti-racist is, and it's recognising the differences in the language that you use to refer to things, or the ways that you, like, I've been, like, organising my brain and mm. in the way that I'm formatting the way that I understand the world, and it's it's really useful because it's a lot of stuff where you you think you think you know stuff the only thing you know is that you don't know anything (laughs) yeah I think that's the thing isn't it I think the thing we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording but as white people it's not enough to just not say anything anymore we all need to be standing up and making it known that we support the cause and it's one of the things where I get it when people are like, well, like my voice doesn't do anything. Like I'm not really adding anything to the conversation and I don't want to drown out black voices that are speaking up, which is absolutely valid. But I just think it's so important that we as white people show our black community or show the black community that we are with them and that we stand with them. And also that we're aware of how privileged and undereducated we are. Because I truly don't know that many white people that actually understand everything that's going on and are educated to that level definitely and it is there's so many pitfalls we're gonna hit along the way but it's the reason that the work is worth it it's hard to do and it's worth it because it's what's right yeah definitely and yeah to round this off I'll I'll say to everyone if you if you're a white person and you kind of don't know where to start with all this stuff and you want to educate yourself and you're not sure where to go um and you've seen you will have seen so many people sharing resources if you want a place to start we as i mentioned before we have shared a bunch of resources that we're moving through on our instagram and twitter so and facebook too so if you need a place to start that's it but then i would also recommend having a look into there are so many amazing black voices speaking out at the minute all over social media and i would recommend uh, following as many of these people as you can and really, what I'll, what we'll do as well is we'll put, if you didn't see the social media uh, post that we put out of our resources, we will uh, put that in the description. You might not follow us on socials, you might not use them, so you might not have seen them. We'll put all those resources in the, in the description for this episode too. Yeah, if anyone like me struggles with how intimidating educate yourself sounds, because I... I'm very much a visual person. I process things in a very different way. Somebody shows me a big block of academic text. It genuinely scares me. And oftentimes I can't get through it without getting sleepy because words can be so hard to process sometimes. So I do really, really highly recommend finding the bloggers, finding the podcasters, finding the audio books that are going to be ways that you can find the information in a more accessible way. Educating yourself is not going back to school and like, doing all these tests and stuff educating yourself is like opening yourself to listening to other people's stories other people's opinions and like learning 
how to change the way you think. And it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be being told you're wrong, being shouted down. It's just listening and appreciating where other people are coming from. It's only going to change things for the better. And don't be scared. Do the stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I agree completely. So, (laughs) well, how are you? Oh my gosh. I'm good. I'm really tired. I've been loads of work. (laughs) I'm a little bit sad that the weather's taken a downturn because I've been able to spend a lot of time in the garden and stuff the last few weeks and it's just been miserable recently. Yeah, it's not great, is it? So, I've barely been outside at all, which is terrible. Um, But I have been, yeah, plugged into my audiobooks and working on toys for my next shop update and like trying to do a million things at once. I don't, know. I don't know if you know how that feels, Faye, with your work being incredibly busy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's so much, there's a lot going on. What if I, I barely left the house either, to be honest. I wasn't very well last week. And I think I went like a week without leaving the house. And then, yeah, the weather's just been a bit shit. And I don't know, I feel like I'm kind of, I, maybe it's because of the weather. Maybe it's a bit of a pathetic fallacy, but I'm just a bit like, ugh. I'm just a bit, like, done with this week and feeling a bit murky. Yay. I feel like all of lockdown, both of us have been like, it's fine, I'm fine. And by the end of the time we finished talking about how fu- like how everything's okay, we're both like, it is <laughs> I am so grumpy. <laughs> yeah, we are. Always grumpy. We're grumpy bitches. That's what people want to hear, right? That's <laughs> what I'm here for, definitely. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> So one of the things that's new in our podcasting lives is that we've got a website now. Yay! Yay, We did a website. It's very simple and it looks great because obviously Rich did all the illustrations and stuff. But yeah, check it out. It's hdmpod.co.uk. It's just got all the info that you guys already have really because you already listened to us. But the reason, the real reason why we did it is because my partner Liam works in uh, digital marketing. He was like, you have to have a website for SEO. And I was like, okay not really understanding what any of that meant. So it's there now. It does mean we're more Googleable yeah. now, which is nice. Yeah. Because um, I think we've been like flying under the radar up until this point. And it's also one of those things where we both didn't do it because it's a big, scary tech yeah. thing. And we're like, oh, we can't do this. And then actually when you sit down to do it, it's like, oh, wait, like Faye's a writer and I'm an artist so actually we have all of the components we need if we just find a website host to do the thing and then we did it and it wasn't as scary as yeah, it seemed. Yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah check it out if you want to it's there it's there for everyone now. Uh, so as you all know we interviewed Daphne Keane that's happened we spoke to her. It has happened. She's so lovely. She was the greatest. We were so nervous. I was so sweaty. I was the sweatiest person. <laughs> it was super like warm. And obviously you guys all know that my flat is horrendously hot. And I was helping them through a bit of the tech stuff at the beginning. And I was like, I'm just so sweaty. Um, but yeah, she was so nice and so great to talk to. And I think, we, to be honest, Rach, I don't think that I'm overreaching. I think we made a new friend. Absolutely. She said that... Uh... She was really happy to talk to us because it's probably one of the funnest things she's done since lockdown started. So I'm taking that as like the highlight of my Popping life. Popping that basically. on my CV. <laughs> I mean, what I think she really meant was she had nothing yeah. better to do, but... <laughs> she said it in a nicer way. I'm taking it <laughs> as a compliment. <laughs> no, it was, um, it was really nice. It was really great to chat to her. Yeah, definitely. If all goes well, 
with the edit and other bits and bobs. We're hoping to get this out 22nd of June, hopefully. If there are any issues, we'll let you know. If we need to, like, delay it or whatever, we'll give you a shout. But hopefully the next episode after this will be Daphne Keen interview. Warning you now, because we're always so careful about spoilers. There definitely are spoilers. So tread carefully if you haven't read all of the books, including The Books of Dust and watch the TV show. Not many, not that many spoilers yes. for the books of dust, but I'm just being careful. Good shout. <laughs> uh, this episode, however, only has spoilers up as far as the end of chapter 20. Yeah. Which, through our Discord chat, we discovered has many names. Oh, yes, we fucking did. What are the names that we have? So we've got, a, we've got a Patreon Discord chat going, which if you want to become a patron, you can join the chat. And get other cool rewards by going to patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you can be a patron. And we found out when we were talking about what the next chapter was uh, that my book's got a completely different title to other people's. Yeah, ours are the same, right? And then I think our listener, is it Melissa? Hers is called Mortal Combat. Yeah. Which maybe they'd change the chapter name because it's a video. I don't know, but I mean, I love Mortal Kombat as a video game. And the fight between Yorick and Yurfa in this chapter is very Mortal Kombat. But yeah, it's so strange, right? So strange. So yeah, mine's called uh, Outrance, with the A with the little... Yeah, I don't know if we're pronouncing that right. I think it's French. I did Google it, because um, it's uh, French, I think. Hang on. Are you going to get Google uh... to say it out loud? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea, actually. Outrance. Outrance. So, so it's just outrance. 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 There you go. Outrance. Hey, outrance. Hey, outrance. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> I think it's not outrance, it's outrance. There you go, that's close. When I googled it the other day, it said that it, uh, it's now saying that it means excessive, but when I googled the other day, it meant to the death. Or to the vert, to the end, or something like that. Hang on. Yeah, so it's excessive. Yeah, but then when I, I don't know what I googled because it said to the death or to the very end, which makes sense, right? For the chapter, yeah. but I don't know why that's not coming up anymore. Maybe I google something different by accident. I just, I just need to know now. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, while we're talking about the Discord, should we do our episodely selfie for for the Discord crew? Yes. So yeah, join, join, join Patreon if you want to join us in the Discord. We are having so much fun. <laughs> We love it. We love it in there. And another thing about Patreon, actually, is that we need to give our listener Sophie her shout out. Hi, Hi Sophie. Sophie. Thanks for being yeah. a patron. So Sophie was actually our first ever patron. I don't know if she knows that, but Sophie, you are our first ever patron. And she, so yeah, she has upped her pledge. Um, so thank you so much, Sophie. We appreciate you. You'll get a social media shout out at some point. So keep an eye out. our demon this week oh my god i haven't even thought about it um shall i go first yes <laughs> you go <So> first <laughs> i especially in the last few days because i've been like i said not been outside for like a week and then i've been outside the last couple of days and I've, I've had a lot on my mind so i've kind of been like wandering aimlessly like down streets and stuff that i haven't been down before just because why not uh so i, I said um so my demon this week would be a, f- a little feral cat, just wandering Aww. around, inspecting the streets, not really know where would I'm you going. Be a street cat named oh. Desire. Yeah. 
Did you get my pun? <laughs> I did. I did. I'm so funny. Uh, so yeah, I uh, yeah, I've just been like wandering aimlessly. Nice. I feel like I've been mm. doing that, even though I haven't actually been leaving the house. Yeah, just in my brain. Yeah. Have you thought of one yet? My demon this week, because I have been very lazy, very lethargic, very isolated, and very like up and down. And also, I've just been avoiding leaving the house at all costs. Like, if Johnny goes for a run, I'm like, can you buy all the food that we need yeah. to exist yeah. so I don't have to leave? Um, so the animal I've picked is the pygmy blue-tongued lizard. <laughs> oh, did, you, did you just think of that off the top of your head, Rich? Ah, I, I've just... I'm that good. I thought of it off the top of my head. No Googling necessary. No top 10 laziest animals website for me. <laughs> because... It is so elusive. It was at one point thought to be extinct, which is how I feel lots of my friends might feel about me right now. Amazing. They live in spider burrows and feed on passing insects, and it, they don't actively catch their prey. They just kind of lay there with their head pointing upwards into the entrance of their burrow and wait for things to fall in their I mouth. Fucking love that. Which feels so me. They don't even leave their burrows to drink. They just like get raindrops and yes. stew and stuff from around where they are. Again, me, just like home base constantly, not the shop, the base that is yeah. my home. It's not just laziness, it's also predator avoidance, the fact that they never leave the house, which is also how I feel about my never leaving the house. So you, I love it. <laughs> I don't want to interact with other people that might be scary, so I'm just going to stay yeah. inside. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. I love that. Great choice. Amazing. Shall we? get into it finally (laughs) yeah let's talk about a book chapter last chapter lyra was taken prisoner by the armored bears she met another prisoner that she flattered into telling her more information about the bears she remembered that yofa ragnason wants a demon and convinced him that she is yorick's she told yofa that she wants to be his demon instead and that he'll need to fight yorick to the death to make it happen in this chapter, Yorick arrives at the Bear Palace and Lyra tells him he must fight Yuffa to the death. Yorick and Yuffa get in the goriest, most badass bear fight anyone has ever seen. Yorick wins and becomes a new king of the bears. Lyra finds out that Mrs. Coulter was behind all the bear conflict and is now on her way to Svalbard. Yorick agrees to take Lyra to see Asriel. The chapter starts out and we learn a little bit about the customs between bears Mm -hmm. fighting. So we find out that bear fights are subject to much ritual and for a bear to kill another bear is rare. And when it happened, it's usually by accident, like how it happened with Yorick when he killed the other bear. And a case of like straightforward bear murder is really, really rare, like with Yoffa and his dad. So... And especially because that was kept so secret, I feel like that would like shake the world if they found yeah, out. Yeah, I don't know about that. I was just saying it's interesting because there was such fury over what happened uh, with Yorick and the other bear and Yorick killing the other bear. But then Yoff has done something that's like, they would see as probably so much worse. Yeah, that's why it's secret though. He's a right little hypocrite. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but also it shows like he is extra despicable. Yeah. But then also... The first chapter of the paragraph lays out how incredibly rare it is for a bear to kill another bear, but then it says, but occasionally there came circumstances where the only way of settling a dispute was a fight to the death, and for that, a whole ceremonial was prescribed. (laughs) So I like that it's like, we don't kill each other, but when we do, we make it theatrical. Yeah, I love it. I love that they've got like a whole 
production like for, yeah. for a bear fight <laughs> amazing it's gonna happen on like a combat ground near the palace and the bears are like getting all set up and stuff um and then there, he's got bears like looking at his armor and stuff yuffa and they take his gold leaf nail polish off and i was like no but then they file his nails to like the sharpest points and it's like a danger mani pedi. <laughs> The most lethal mani-pedi you've ever had. Yeah, I do like that, but I wish they could have left them gold and, like, filed them even, like, with the gold leaf left on. I guess they didn't have time to re-leaf them after they filed them down. It's quite a process. It is, it is. And what would be the point of, like, re-gold leafing them if then they're going to get scratched while he's fighting? True. It's just going to get covered in blood and stuff. (laughs) But yeah, Lyra's watching him get his mani-pedi and she is feeling worse and worse, like, every second because... This bear is looking more and more lethal, and she knows that Yorick does not know what he's like running yeah, into. And he's been like running for 24 hours. He hasn't had any food. He might be injured from falling out of the balloon. And here Yofer is like getting ready and being like prepped by all these other bears. And yeah, it's making Lyra feel sick. And testing his claws on a fresh yeah. walrus, slicing its skin open like paper, and then smashing its skull with just two blows to crack it like an egg and Lyra's I could just imagine like a cartoon like gulp yeah. from Lyra when she sees this happening like that makes me think of when you were talking about the dogs with the eggs in their mouth when we were talking about Yorick uh, had that guy's um, head in his mouth and he was going to crush it but he didn't and held it and I was like there's lots of like egg imagery for these bears cracking and <laughs> killing and maiming all compared to eggs. What we know is Philip loves a bear and Philip loves an egg analogy. <laughs> True. So yeah, after Lyra sees what he does to the seal, she has to go and weep with fear. Oh, I know, bless her. Yeah. Oh, Lyra. Yeah, and Pan's not even got any hope either. Like, usually Pan's the one that, like, offers a bit of reassurance, but nothing from him, which is sad. I guess, he, like, he's hiding in her pocket this whole yeah. time, isn't he, as well? So, like, it's not like he can really see what's going on. It must be so frustrating for Pan as well, just to be, like, in a, in her pocket for the entire time. He must be feeling claustrophobic, for one. Also, like, yeah, does that mean that he just doesn't get to see any of this epic fight that's about to happen? Because... I would be so frustrated. I'd be yeah. so mad. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, she asked the alethiometer and about Yorick and everything, and it kind of sounds like it's pissed off at her. It, like, tells her off for asking the same question twice. Yeah, it, like, sasses her. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Either. You know when somebody sends you a text and it's just like, yes, yeah. or okay or fine and you read it as being like fine okay yeah Yeah. i wonder if that's lyra reading her emotions onto the alethiometry text message i don't know definitely (laughs) so all the bears come to watch the battle when it happens and it says that bears of high rank had the best places and there was a special enclosure for the she bears including of course yuffa's wife's and then i said Justice for the she-bears? Why are they in a fucking enclosure? Even the bears have to have a fucking patriarchy. I know, what the fuck? I was living my best, like, imagining all of my, like, non-binary bears living their lives because we only had a couple of bears gendered in the last chapter and I was quite happily imagining, like, a relatively equal society. And then I find out that the she-bears are in an enclosure. An enclosure! Not even, like, a nice little podium or dais. (sighs) They're definitely... Not being treated right, justice for she bears. Right, and I would like to think that 
and I don't think this is true, but that Yofa's wives, I I would like to think that they're all in a lovely, like, polyamorous relationship and it's all great, but you can kind of fucking tell by Yofa that they're probably fucking coerced into being his wife and ugh, no. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm not here for it. Mm-mm. Justice for she-bears. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lyra's curious about the she-bears, but she uh, stays close to Yofa and she tries to guess what all the like plumes and badges and stuff the other bears are wearing men because they're all wearing different shit basically mm-hmm. and then like she recognizes the highest ranking ones are carrying little dolls like yoffa was and she was really pleased to kind of like notice that they all looked a little bit like confused when they realized that he'd discarded his yeah yeah. Because obviously he wants Lyra to be his demon now, so he's thrown his like demon doll away. But now all of his courtiers that were trying to like kiss ass are like, oh no, do we throw them away? Do we keep them? I don't know. So, I saw Katie Heron wearing army pants and flip-flops, so I bought army pants and flip-flops. The next day when she wasn't wearing army pants and flip-flops, I didn't know what to do with my <laughs> army pants and flip-flops. <laughs> oh god. So great. Yeah, they're just like, what the fuck? They're probably like, I fucking made this shit ragdoll. Took time out of my busy bear schedule to make this shitty ragdoll. Now what am I supposed to do with it? Exactly, yeah. I kind of love it as like a really clear indication of the fact that none of these bears are really actually comfortable with the way they're being made to act or encouraged to act. Yeah, so like none of them know, do they? They just don't know what what they are like what Yofa wants them to do how does he want them to act they're just kind of like just trying to do whatever pleases Lyra goes on to compare them she says that that's the prevailing mood in his court she was beginning to see they weren't sure what they were they weren't like Yorick Bernison pure and certain and absolute there was a constant pull a constant pull of uncertainty hanging over them as they watched one another and watched Yofa and I don't know if part of that is he's asking them to act like humans and they're not and they're finding it really weird but i wonder if coupled with that is a level of threat that he implies as well because if he's quite an unstable like authority figure and if he's quite hard to please and is quite like ruthless which you get the impression he is Mm -hmm. yeah that level of uncertainty is kind of like compounded they all are watching lyra with curiosity and she's kind of a bit timid in this sense, right? She looks away, like she keeps close to Yoffa. She's not kind of being the Lyra that we know and love, but I think it's because she's so fucking worried about Yorick and she has so much guilt about what's about to happen that she's just, like, closed off completely. She doesn't want anyone. I think she knows that the only thing that could screw Yorick over at this point worse than how she's already done it. Because she thinks she screwed him over at this point because she's watching Yoffa putting on this, like, getting his claws sharpened and stuff. And she is convinced that she's just yeah. taking Yorick out of the frying pan and putting him into the fire. But um, the only thing that could maybe make that worse is if she gave the game away, he realised that she wasn't Yorick's demon and, like, just fire-hurled Yorick before he even got to the door, because this is literally the only way yeah, he stands a fighting chance at all. So maybe she's, like, playing it the safest yeah, she true, can possibly play it. At the combat ground, uh, Lyra keeps looking up. She's hoping to see the Witches or the Hidden City and the Aurora, or even more Costa. And I was like, it's been fucking ages since we heard, like, more Costa being mentioned. Oh, she just wants anything. She wants to escape. She wants to be safe. And, like... 
I love that these are the things that are making her feel like, yeah, like safe, like yeah. safety and like escape is possible. These are the things her mind mm. is going to. I think it highlights how desperate she is because I don't think that we haven't heard her think about Mark Costa at all really since they said goodbye. So I think she's kind of clutching onto like, like you were saying, anything at all that made her, that has ever made mm. her feel a little bit safe. Yeah, she finds herself crying. Oh, her tears freeze almost as soon as they form, and she has to like brush them away, and it hurts. I know. And the bears don't understand because they they don't cry, probably because it would freeze and be painful. (laughs) Yeah, so they don't really know what's happening, and it kind of doesn't mean anything to them. And then Pan, so they're not going to give her any comfort. And then Pan can't comfort her because he's busy hiding and being incognito, and. So, like, all he can do is, like, just snuffle at her fingers with his little mouse nose. Oh. Oh, Pan. So cute. Oh. And then we get a description of Yoffa in all of his armour. So, he reared like a great metal tower, shining in polished steel, the smooth plates inlaid with wires of gold. His helmet enclosed the upper part of his head in a glistening carapace of silver grey with deep eye slits, and the underside of his body was protected by a close-fitting sark of chainmail. It was when she saw this that Lyra realised that she had betrayed Yorick Burnison, for Yorick had nothing like it. So, basically, Yorick is, like, protected all over. He's got, like, chainmail down his belly, and a full helmet, and Yorick's got, uh, sorry, Yorick's got nothing like that. He's just got his armor that we've got. Philip really seen. did make it easy for us, didn't he? Yoffa and Yorick. I know. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> Getting confused. It's like, yeah, Boromir and Faramir. Just give them different names. <laughs> like, more different. <laughs> so Lyra's feeling terrified and guilty again. And she reminds Yoffa that she needs to go and speak to Yorick when he gets here. So, But then she doesn't get to finish that sentence because the bear's from the watchtower raw and it indicates that Yorick's already there. Yeah, Yorick's arrived. Yoffa tells her to encourage Yorick, which is gross. Yeah, he's hardly able to speak for the rage and excitement. Ew. And it's a bit gross that he's so, like, and scary that he's so amped up for this fight. Yeah. And the fact that he's not just excited, he's angry excited, which is just two emotions that you never really want to see together, because that sounds really dangerous. Yeah, it's problematic at least it's just gross ew the bears move aside as lyra walks to find yorick and it makes a point here of highlighting how small she is because i think it refers to her little footprints and all the bears are like parting to make way for this tiny little child and she's so small compared to all the bears i get all the imagery in this chapter i am just so here for like all the artwork that you could do based on this like she's so small the bears are so big like the entire court full of bears that are all adorned like ugh, beautiful yeah definitely so this is my this next bit lyra and yorick meet and this is my favorite bit in the entire book oh it really is i might get upset because it's so sweet so lyra tells yorick what she's done and she is like beside herself and she's upset and blah 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 and before i go into my favorite bit actually i do just want to call out that i don't really like lyra calling yorick my dear it doesn't fit in with a character i don't think like it sounds very i think for me because my dear 
personally for me, feels more like a term of endearment from somebody that's older, like maybe like a grandma or a granddad or like an older friend. It doesn't seem like something a, a child would say. I wonder if it just is one of the many turns of phrases that like ages it slightly, like mm. ages the books in terms of when they were written, but also maybe sets Lyra's time period back a bit because she refers at some point to like Pan as her like her dear heart. Yeah. It's quite, um, yeah, it's quite like, it's an older romanticised level of language to what you hear now, mm. necessarily. Also, how old was Philip Pullman when he wrote these books? Because it might have come from him and his use of language as well. Was he like, I'm going to just double look like we go. 73, take away, 25. 48, yay! Yeah. I mean, 48's not old, but it's like middle-aged, right? And maybe that's just something that came from his lexicon that he said or whatever, but it does age her, I think. Yeah. Reading it as a kid, I don't think it ever sat funny with me because I just got the impression that Lyra was like just this really emotional person and the way that she like just tells people how she feels about them through her words. It's something I've never been able to do. Um, (laughs) But um, also maybe it is part of that, the age zip. Reading it now, when she comes out with a line like, my dear, I am, Mm. it does make me like cringe a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if that's just because I'm not okay with open displays of emotion. Well, (laughs) the thing is, right, I completely agree with what you just said, but also it's kind of, it's not, it's those particular, it's those two particular words kind of not, Lyra just being open with her emotion. It's just my idea. Just, I don't know. It just feels weird. It just doesn't feel like something yeah. a child would say. True. I do feel for her a lot in this moment, though, because she's running up to him. He's literally like the face of her like rescue. This is like her only way out of this situation. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I really fucked you over. Yeah. Like, I really messed up. And like, that's the first thing she says. And I kind of love that. That is, she is so like yeah. Forthcoming. She's not being around the bush. She's yeah, not yeah. being like, oh, how are you? Are you okay? She's like, I am really sorry. I've, I've you fucked over. this like, massively. Yeah, 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 totally. But yeah, but then, it's my favorite bit in the book. So, yeah. <sighs> Yorick says you tricked your arachnison, and she says yes. I made him agree that he'd fight you instead of just killing you straight off like an outcast. And the winner would be king of the bears. I had to do that because... And then he cuts her off. And he says, Balakwa, no, you are Lyra Silvertong, he said. To fight him is all I want. Come, little demon. Ah, come. Ah. <laughs> I love it so much. Yes. I love it so much. Oh, my heart. I might cry. And that... That is Lyra being given her true name because we don't really know where Balakwa comes from. Is it from Asriel's side of the family? Like, mm. is his name Asriel Balakwa? I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, I don't... I would have thought... I thought Asriel would be his last name, right? Because you wouldn't say, like, Lord Rachel. Yeah. I'd never really thought about it. Is it Asriel something or is it something Asriel? If so, what's his first name? John Asriel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it just says Asriel Balakwa. Oh. Well, yeah. Oh, I suppose, okay. So it's, like, Queen Elizabeth, right? So, like, that's her first name. Yeah. So, yeah, he's just Lord Asriel, Asriel, Asriel Blackwood, apparently. Well then. Right, I have been wanting to call her Lyra Silvertongue since we started reading this book. And now I get to! Yeah. This, yeah, I love it. This is the name given to her by her chosen family. The family yeah. that she's chosen and that has chosen her. Yorick is the best bear dad in the world. 
Yes, I want my bear dad to give me a name. <laughs> me too. I love it so, so much. And actually, do you know what? I hadn't really thought about why I love it so much. And I think you just articulated it really well. Like, this is her family now. And she finally has a name that represents who she is. And also how she feels about herself and who her family are. Her real family. Yeah. Not her stupid parents that don't give well, a shit about thing. her. The family that she didn't choose betrayed her the moment she was born when they were dicks yeah. <laughs> they've just been consistently betraying her even if she can't see it the fact that Asriel pretended to be her uncle for so many years was a massive yeah. betrayal and I'm just really glad that she doesn't have to live by his name or even a name that would link her in some way to Mrs Coulter like yeah. oh my god I'm so glad she's not Lyra Coulter it just doesn't sound right I want to know what Coulter's maiden name is because Coulter is her married name isn't it yeah I don't know if we find that out <laughs> anyway side tracks oh. No, I'm not saying it. Oh, okay. I'm not bloody saying it. I refuse. You can't make me. If anybody knows and it's a spoiler, don't tell me. (laughs) I've not read The Secret Commonwealth yet and I've not finished La Belle Sauvage. It's taken me almost a year. (laughs) I think we'll we'll actually get round to doing the podcast on those two books before you finish them. Definitely. (laughs) This is literally the only reading I'm doing at the moment that isn't that is like coming in through my eyes everything else is audiobooks <laughs> oh yeah moving on from my favorite bit of this book no big deal uh all of the bears are looking at them and yerfa comes down to face yorick and lyra uh encourages him she says my dear again so you'll hate it <laughs> yeah she does but i like the sentiment fight well yorick my dear you're the real king and he and he's nothing but like do you see know what i mean it doesn't saying my dear doesn't really go well with he and if you just take that out, it f- sounds more powerful as well. Yeah. Like the way that she says it. If she just says, fight well, Yorick, you're the real king, and he ain't, he's yeah. nothing. If It's just as good. My dear just makes it, I guess it adds a little, like another layer of emotion to it, but it's not necessary. I don't think it is either. Not a fan. Sorry, Philip. <laughs> Yorick just walks into the room and shouts, Bears! <laughs> I love it. That's how I want to enter a room. Yeah, walk and in and be like humans after, that's what I'm going to start doing after lockdown that's my yeah. new thing Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely I'm so here for it and I love that this is the first level of the, cere- this, the, like, the ceremonials surrounding yeah. a bear fight to the death situation is that he's and it's kind of like it's very political in a lot of ways like they both just kind of lay out their action plans and policies of what will happen if they win and it's not like anyone in the room is voting on it but i like that these bears are going into viewing this combat knowing based who to root for based on whose policies Mm. they agree with more (laughs) do you know what it reminded me of as well uh wrestling oh yeah so much like wrestling like people cutting (laughs) promos in wrestling just like fucking shit talking each other i'm so here for it i love it yeah they go back and forth with that right so like Yorick's like fuck this guy and then Yorick's like well actually fuck this guy <laughs> yeah y- Yorick seems a little bit more reasoned but I do kind of love the way that he says it so if you want I'll I'll read Yorick's and you can read Yorick's okay the terms of this combat are these if Yoffa Ragnarsson kills me then he will be king forever safe from challenge or dispute if I kill Joffa Ragnarsson, I shall be your king. My first order to you all will be to tear down that palace, that perfumed house of mockery and tinsel, and hurl the golden marble into the sea. 
Iron is bare metal. Gold is not. Joffa Ragnarsson has polluted Svalbard. I have come to cleanse it. Joffa Ragnarsson, I challenge you. The only thing I take issue with in that whole thing is I've come to cleanse it because it makes me feel mm. icky when it's like a political speech and it mentions the word cleanse. Yeah, not great. No, thank not you. Not great. Not great. Otherwise, yeah. I'm behind it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bears! He roared in his turn. Yorick Bernison has come back at my invitation. I drew him here. Fucking liar. It is for me to make the terms of this combat, and they are these. If I kill Yorick Bernison, his flesh shall be torn apart and scattered to the cliff gas. His head shall be displayed above my palace. His memory shall be obliterated. It shall be a capital crime to speak his name. And he, like, bangs on. Also, two things. One, hate that the head would be displayed in the palace. File. No, thank you. Two, he completely contradicts himself because he's like, I'll display your head in the palace, but it'll be uh, against the law to speak your name and everyone will forget about you. It really is. So he's like, he's so intimidated by the presence of Yorick that he feels the need to display, if he wins, he'll feel the need to display the fact that he's won, but he can't take any level of criticism that would involve anyone even speaking Yorick's name. So fucking stupid. He can't stand to have the name of somebody that he feels threatened by spoken in front of him, but he feels the need to display his dominance over that person on his house. Like, no. That is 100% toxic, bare masculinity in, like, a little nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, it truly is. It's fucking shit. I hate... I hate him. I hate him. Yes. (laughs) Do. Lyra kind of looks at the two of them, and she's kind of, like realising how much bigger Yoffa is than Yorick and how better equipped he seems to be for this fight and how she never thought that Yorick could look small and he does. And then she but she does mention about Yorick's armour being his soul and that obviously Yoffa is clearly not happy with his because he's restless in it and he had to have all the people like attending to it, whereas Yorick's is Rusty as fuck and a bit like old, but he's still like, yeah, this is this is my my soul. It's like a real clear display of confidence. Yeah, because like Yoffa needs all the bells and whistles, and he's still not like he's still not happy in himself. And Yorick has this like scratchy old thing that he made at home, and he's like standing still as a rock, full of confidence, like resolute. And I really like that. It's like a and you'd think it would be the other way around. You'd think the smaller of the two would be the more like mobile and skittish one, but it's not. It's, it's yeah, I love it. It's all like contradicting imagery, but it works really yeah. well to show their personalities. Yeah, definitely. After we get the contrast of how the bears look, it's pointed out that not only is it a choice between two different rulers, but it's a choice between two different kinds of bearden, mm-hmm. two futures, two destinies. Yoffa had begun to take them in one direction and Yorick would take them in another. And in the same moment, one future would close forever as the other began to unfold. And I love that. Yeah. And I do think it's that's probably why they've made the statements as well. It's like making it clear to everybody. It's not Pick just, a side. Yeah. It's yeah. not just us that's doing a fight here. Your future is hanging in the balance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And then Yorick and Yofa start to prowl on the snow, and they both move at the same time, go and attack each other. Oh boy. And then we just get, like, a bunch of pages of fight, which I'm into. Yes. Fair fight. There's a really beautiful description at first. So they're 
circling each other and then they're really, really, really still and silent and watching each other. And then with a roar and a blur of snow, both bears moved at the same moment, like two great masses of rock balanced on adjoining peaks, shaken loose by an earthquake that bound down the mountainsides, gathering speed, leaping over crevasses and knocking trees into splinters until they crashed into each other so hard that both are smashed to powder and flying chips of stone. That was how the two bears came together. That's so cool. Yeah. Like two opposing avalanches just colliding. Yeah. It's like, it shows the power behind it and like Mm -hmm. the immensity of it. And it's like you're witnessing some kind of like natural disaster almost with the level of epicness that is occurring. Yeah. It's really great imagery. Definitely. It's really beautiful. I love that he goes from metaphors to specifics really quickly as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we learn that uh, I think they have a bit of back and forth, right? And then Yurfa delivers some like horrible blurs to Yorick that like takes the breath out of Lyra. She doesn't understand like how could anyone survive that because it's so crashing and heavy on on Yorick. Poor Yorick. Poor little Yorick. Poor Yorick. And then Yurfa has his teeth near Yorick's throat. Um, and some of the blood lands on Lyra and she presses her hand to it like a token of love. Oh. It's so cute and gross and I love so it. So gross. <laughs> like Dexter, I'll save that little blood drop for later. Go <laughs> in the collection. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yorick rips the front of Yuffa's chain mail away. They then like both stand to get their breath. It's because yeah, the chain mail that he's torn has gone from being a protective piece of armour to just like a traily bit of crap that's getting in his way and tangling his legs, which works really well to Yorick's advantage, which is brilliant. Because I love that it was something that Lyra was so worried about Mm -hmm. being this, like, major advantage that Yorick had over Yorick, and Yorick in, like, one sweep of his claws has turned it into a disadvantage, which is great. Yeah, definitely. But we learn that Yorick's worse off, though, than Yorick. He's bleeding loads from his neck, and he's panting. No, no. And then he, he lunges at Yorfa again. And then basically they're back at it. And it just kind of goes on like this, right? Mm-hmm. And Lyra's watching. It says, Lyra trembled at the weight of those blurs as if a giant were swinging a sledgehammer and that hammer were armed with five steel spikes. And I think that's like great imagery as well. Yeah. Maybe not as complex as the last one, but still a great like... It's hard to write a fight like this. It's hard for it not to get monotonous and boring. Mm-hmm. But I think having Lyra watching on is really helpful because you can kind of cut from the action, kind of like a film, really, or like in the TV show, you can kind of cut from the action back to Lyra for her reaction so that you don't get tired of constantly reading. And then Yorick hit Yurfa, and then Yurfa hit Yorick, and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and also hearing somebody's emotional reaction to it is really vital to like getting the feeling of the fight across because quite often when you read a fight in a novel, it's happening to the protagonist. Yeah. And so you'd be hearing about how their body aches, how the pain is searing through them, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera, because Lyra's just witnessing it. And so you need to hear about her like emotional, like the emotional journey that she's going on while witnessing yeah. it. Because we can't hear about how much it hurts Yorick. We can just hear about how painful it looks. Yeah, Which exactly. is coming through really well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then Yorick's arm is a bit fucked now. His helmet's completely gone. Yorick was keeping much better, but Yorick's still bigger and stronger. And obviously Yorick's also tired and he's lost a lot of blood. 
Mm-hmm. And it says he's got uh, he's got wounds on his belly, on both arms, and on his neck. And Yerfa was only bleeding from his lower jaw. So, although Yerfa's arm is fucked, it doesn't look like it's going too well for Yorick. Yeah. Lyra wants to help, but doesn't really know what to do. Oh, and Yorick's limping now. His left paw can't bear his weight. And his blurs were getting softer as well. So then Yurfa notices this and starts taunting Yorick, With calling him names. Really rubbish names. Right? <laughs> so shit. Yurfa had noticed he began to taunt Yorick, calling him broken hand, whimpering cub, rust eaten, soon to die, and other names. It's not a great fucking read, is it? Yeah. It makes me think, did you ever used to watch Blackadder as a kid? Yes. Yeah, as a kid. It's not appropriate for children. I definitely <laughs> watched it as a child. There's a bit when there's like kids singing and dancing outside because Blackadder doesn't want to join in this like big festivity and they're like going Sapus grumpy face Sapus grumpy face <laughs> that's just what it makes me think of like ch- really childish insults <laughs> yeah I mean like broken hand isn't even an insult that is just what has happened or what he thinks has happened that's not an insult well, exactly what he thinks mm. has happened what because think? do we remember a blow to Yorick's paw being described in the narrative of this fight? I don't think we do. We don't. But before we get there, there's a really nice quote, or like, nice slash heartbreaking quote about Lyra. So it says Lyra was in tears. Her dear, her brave one, her fearless defender was going to die and she would not do him the treachery of looking away. For if he looked at her, he must see her shining eyes and their love and belief not a face hidden in cowardice or a shoulder fearfully turned away. And it's so brave, again, so fucking brave of Lyra. Mm-hmm. She's a fucking child, man. And she's like, knows what she has to do. If that was me, I'd be like running away. That she understands that if he were to catch her eye or to look over to her, that what he needs to see is her like resolutely standing yep. with him and not fearing the violence that she's witnessing is like ridiculously mature of her definitely bless her bless her heart oh so then this is where you mentioned hmm, i don't think we've seen a, an injury to a uh, yorick's paw mm-hmm. basically yorick has tricked yofa yeah yofa's battered him back into what he thinks is into a corner or into a rough spot mm-hmm. and yorick is like no sir i have backed myself into a corner where the the ground is nice and dry and will give me plenty of room to leap up at you with my perfectly good paw that is not broken and smack you with it. <laughs> because, yes. yeah, you could not trick a bear, but as Lyra had showed him, Yofa did not want to be a bear. He wanted to be a man and Yorick was tricking him. He jumps onto Yofa. There's a good bit of imagery here. It says, like a wave that has been building its strength over a thousand miles of ocean and which makes little stir in the deep water but which, when it reaches the shallows, rears itself up high into the sky, terrifying the shore dwellers, before crashing down on the land with irresistible power. It's really nice. Yeah. Also, it's not as nice as this fucking description of fucking... for it. (laughs) A fucking Yorick. Content warning for people who don't appreciate gore. What you're about to hear is on a similar level to if you are listening to an audiobook of The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's Yorick fucking smashing the fucking jaw off Yorfa, and I love it 
So much. It was a horrifying blow. It tore the lower part of his jaw clean off so that it flew through the air, scattering blood drops in the snow many yards away. Yoffa's red tongue lolled down, dripping all over his open throat. Yes. 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 So gross. This is why I loved this book as a kid, because my parents were probably like, oh, it's a, no- it's a nice little book. It's about somebody with an animal friend. And then I'm reading it and I'm like, he tears his jaw off. <laughs> this is like horrible histories. <laughs> oh, it's so great. And then Yorick kills him. Sure does. Dunzer kills him. And then there's one last ritual yet to perform, which is so great. It's so great. Yorick sliced open the dead king's unprotected chest, peeling the fur back to expose the narrow white and red ribs like the timbers of an upturned boat. Into the ribcage Yorick reached and he plucked out Yorfa's heart, red and steaming, and ate it there in front of Yorfa's subjects. And now, Yorick is the Khaleesi. <laughs> is, that a, is that a Game of Thrones reference? It is. Oh. Daenerys Targaryen has to eat a horse heart in order to become the Khaleesi. Oh, sounds great. Like in front of everybody. Um and it's really gross. And that is um that's just what Yorick just did. Although obviously this book came way before Game of Thrones. <laughs> there we go. But that's what it made me think of. <laughs> I have not read or seen Game of Thrones. Yeah. So how oh it's just so great. I love how gross it is. I love how ritualistic it is. I'm just so into it. It reminds me of Midsummer a lot, actually. Like the like yes. ritualistic gore. And things like that, yeah, do remind me of Midsummer. And I realise I've mentioned Midsummer so many times on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've just been it. really in the mood to watch it again since yeah. the 29th of May, which has just been, is usually my village's uh, festival with pagan roots that we do called Garland Day, where we parade through the village. Um, and like my mum just sent me a bunch of pictures in the post because she's been going through like old photographs and there's so many of me and like basically all, all, all the little girls in my village yeah we wear little white dresses covered in flowers and we dance through the village and we do the maypole but like the weirdest part of it is that there's a guy on a horse with his head like entire upper half of his body entirely encased in like this beehive shape covered in flowers it's great when you sent me that picture I was so shocked because I was just like what is this like that is Midsummer, it's just without the horrific violence. Mm-hmm. Just the bit towards skip if you haven't watched Midsummer. The bit towards the end where she's walking along and she's entirely encased yeah. in flowers and she looks like a giant flower slug. I was like, it's like Garland Day. <laughs> it's basically like my village growing up. <laughs> oh, did you it. burn your ex boyfriend in a bear suit? I did not. Oh man, I wish I had. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's no. not even. A, I say it's not even a bear suit, is it? It's literally a bear skin. Yeah, it's grim. I fucking love that film. That film so was much. so much less scary than I thought it was going to be, though. I did tell like, you it's not scary. Yeah. It's just weird as fuck. It's yeah, just it's, weird. It's just tense. Yeah. So tense. It's very so, tense. Yeah. Tense is a really good word for it. Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of tense. <laughs> anyway. So. Also, I just enjoy. Lyra has witnessed this ridiculously, probably quite traumatizing event um, of this bear tear, like tearing the jaw off of and then the heart out of another bear and it is incredibly gory but it doesn't it doesn't seem to phase her like whatsoever because she just runs up to him immediately and is like trying to help him and it's just i love that uh, yorick 
this is another thing that reminded me of wrestling because Yorick asks the bears, who's the king? And they're like, Yorick Bernison. And it just reminds me of like wrestling chants. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes. <laughs> so then the bears uh, rip off all their badges and plumes and all that kind of stuff and trample them. And then they just get, fuck off immediately and start destroying the palace. Mm-hmm. But then, right, this made me think about these bears, right? So we know Yorick and we love Yorick. And Yorick is a very individual thinker. And I know that he's quite unique within the bears. But it made me feel sorry for these bears that are just going along with everything. It's like, where, where's your personality, bears? Where, where are the, the things that you want? Why are you just aimlessly following people? Well, bears. This is why I kind of wish we had more information on Yoffa's rule and his ruling style. Like, is he a tyrant? Are these bears living in fear and following his rules because they feel they have to? Or are they just like, oh, we just follow the strongest leader because that's what we do? Because it seems like the bears were very quick. This is the thing, either they're being sheep and they're following the leader, like, immediately, or... They've been living under a tyrannical regime that they are more than happy to pull down the moment mm. that it is, like, has a crack in it, which is great. But there isn't enough backstory around the attitudes of the bears because we only see them as, like, NPCs, basically. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I just kind of want them to have, like, a little bit of personality in their own. Yeah. I like, because it says, like, Lyra is really curious about the she bears. Yeah. But she doesn't ever get to have, like, we just find out that she's curious about them. Yeah, we don't We know don't what get to like, find out yeah. what their life is like. And I I love the bears as a society and as, like, a society that exists within this book and interacts with the human world. And, like, yeah, they're so, it's, it's so interesting and you could spend mm. so long with it. And we just get this quite short chapter with them or a couple of chapters with them where we don't actually spend a lot of time with any bears that aren't Yorick or Yoffa. Yeah. I want to know what a day in the life of the average bear looks like. Yeah. Tell me about the bear necessities. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's that um, that book that I got you for your birthday, that Once Upon a Time in the North. That's supposed to be a story about Lee and Yorick, so maybe that has more? Mm, maybe. I need to figure out where that fits into the story, because we'll probably do a, a bonus episode on that at some point. Where are we? They throw all of their badges on the floor and they take blocks off the tower. And I think it's quite wasteful because later on in the chapter it says that they're building another like palace yeah. out of ice this time. And it's like, reduce, reuse, recycle, bears. Come right, on. Right, right. You've yeah. got ice caps to worry about. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> very true. Uh, so Lyra rushes to Yorick and she tells... She, well, she's trying to tell the bears herself to stop destroying the palace because there's human prisoners in there. Yeah. Also think about that, Bears. Come yeah. on. <laughs> and then Yorick tells them to stop. Lyra helps him with his wounds. And it sounds really gross and I love it, obviously. <laughs> I do love that Lyra did remember the prisoners. She didn't just forget yeah. about them. So we do we were wondering last chapter if we'd ever hear about um elderly science man again. Who has a name that we can't remember? We do. Mr. Oh, it's Trelawney. And I remember this because yeah. I was going to make a Harry Potter reference when we were talking about him last chapter and I did not. I can't believe neither of us did. It's Professor Trelawney, right? I think I thought about it, but I just never said it out loud. Yeah, so yeah, Professor Trelawney, he is fine. Lyra saved yeah. his life. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> and the rest of the prisoners too. So Yorick, so a bear comes over and lays a mouthful of some stiff green stuff thickly frosted on the ground at Yorick's feet and he says that it's blood moss. 
Mm-hmm. I googled blood moss. I did. I did my googling. <laughs> Basically, blood moss we think comes from the fact that sphagnum moss, which is a great moss, it does all the things. You find it in a lot of peat areas. It's very prolific in the Peak District. I might have some tattooed on my leg as part of the greenery that is there. I love a bit of sphagnum. Um, <laughs> it's an it's odd weird thing, but it is very. It is very absorbent. It's more absorbent than cotton wool, and it has a deodorizing power, which is odd. It's basically it absorbs, and it is also like slightly antibacterial, and um, it can hold up to twenty-two times its own weight in liquid, making it twice as absorptive as cotton wool. Wow. So it is better than probably what we're using for medicines yeah. right now, and it has been used throughout the years in various medical practices for the very purpose that you're using it for now and i always thought blood moss was just some kind of like magical bear yeah. moss when i was reading it and then yeah looking it up and being like oh it's it's yeah it's sphagnum such a great <laughs> it makes me think of spag ball spag ball <laughs> moss <laughs> yes it probably looks like spag ball by the time oh, it's finished so all the blood. yes yeah gross uh, you're welcome you. Thank you. <laughs> so apparently how it works is Yorick says to Lyra, press it in the wounds to me, Lyra, fold the flesh over it, and then hold some snow there until it freezes. <laughs> I fucking love that. It's so gross. So gross. I oh. love it. I lo- She's proper getting in, though. Like, Yorick oh. won't let anyone else touch her, which is a real sign of how he appreciates her loyalty and how... I also think maybe to the other bears, he's a little bit like, I don't trust you yeah. yet, because... You betrayed me by exiling That's me. True. I'm only going to let her touch yeah. me. Um, and then her poor little mittens are like soaked in his oh. blood by the time she's finished, but she has staunched all the bleeding, yeah. which is good. And then the prisoners come out, and then <laughs> Lyra just decides there's no point talking to Professor Trelawney because he's, um, he's mad. Yeah. And like, yeah. so that's it for him then. I'm assuming we don't see. I mean, this is, again, I actually can't remember, so like, I'm assuming we don't. See him again? Wait, is his name Trelawney? Or is Trelawney the name of the professor? That I he think hates? Trelawney's the name. No, I think you're right. I think Trelawney's the name of the professor that he hates. Oh my god, we just misnamed him with the name of his oh enemy. He hates us now. Oh, we are his. <laughs> we are his enemies now. I feel like I should probably look now because people are just going to think we're lazy if we don't go back and look at his name. Let me look. What's your name, Jotham Santelia? Well, there we go. That's that. <laughs> Good. Glad we did our due diligence yeah. on that one. <laughs> so Lyra doesn't want to distract Yorick, but she's anxious about Roger and Lee and everyone. So, oh my god, this must be the most uncomfortable sleep of her fucking life. But like, she piles snow over herself and pans a wolverine to keep her warm. And then she goes to sleep. And it's like, can you imagine ever sleeping in those conditions? Also, like, Yorick, what are you doing? Yeah. You have a duty of care over this child. We've established that. You are her bear dad. Why haven't you sorted out somewhere safe for her to sleep? Because when she wakes up, she is kind of, like, right? dead and pretty much from the cold. And he has blatantly just left her there, right? There's no way that he... What What was he thinking? Like, assign her a bear yeah. guard to at least, like, cuddle up next to her and keep her warm or, like, do something. Yeah, it is a bit shit on Yorick's part, actually. I didn't think about that when I was reading it, but you're right. When she... Wakes up, her eyelids are frozen shut, and then Pan has to lick her eyelids to get the snow off, which is, like, adorable and really, really gross gross. all at the same time. (laughs) Like, imagine somebody else picking the sleep out of your eye in the morning. Licking it out. 
<laughs> At least it's only ice and not sleep, yeah. but like. God. Yeah, but yeah, that is shitty of Yorick, yeah. actually. You're completely right. And then she like tries to stand up and she falls over twice. She, right, she's like half fucking dead here. And the bear, uh, she, the bear officer is back to ride on because basically Yorick wants to see her. Um, and it's like, oh, well, it's fucking convenient for you now, Yorick, that you want to see her. What about when she was sleeping in the snow and you just left her? Exactly. So she goes to where all the other bears are assembled and Roger's there. Yay, mm-hmm. Roger. Um, and Roger gives a, an explanation of what happened. So, Yorick Bernison made me stay out there in the snow while he came to fetch you away. We fell out the balloon, Lyra. After you fell out, we got carried miles and miles and then Mr. Scoresby let some more gas out. Well... And we crashed into a mountain and we fell down such a slope like you'd never seen. And I don't know where Mr. Scoresby is now, nor the witches. There was just me and Yorick Bernison. He came straight back this way to look for you. And then they told me about this fight. Oh, Roger. I love this. I'm imagining him telling her like a million miles a minute and like, yeah, just being so excited to tell her all this stuff and just being so excited to see her. I love Roger. I love him so much. So the prisoners are building a shelter and trying to light a fire. And I'd just like to know why these prisoners are prisoners and why they're still being treated like prisoners. Because if Yerfa made them, if Yerfa imprisoned them, then it's probably likely that Yorick doesn't agree with why they're being imprisoned. Also, like, it's just poor time management and resource management on Yorick's part. Like, they're tearing down the old palace before they've built yeah. the new one. So you had perfectly adequate shelter for the prisoners and the bears and the other people that you're like you're currently you have torn down the bear B and B before you've built the new bear hotel. So true. Yeah, yeah. Stop being so wasteful. <laughs> Manage your resources better, Yorick. You're supposed yeah, to be the king. It's not going super well so far. I'm yeah. I'm being really judgy <laughs> about it. <laughs> so the bear who work Lyra then gives her some food and. The- and it's gross. There's so many gross <laughs> things in this chapter. I fucking love it. It's such a gross chapter. So great. Content warning at the beginning of the chapter. We probably yeah. ought to do that. If you don't appreciate somebody eating a warm kidney, don't listen. <laughs> I love how delicious Lyra thinks it is. And then the blubber as well. Like, oh no, it's, it's the blubber that oh, tastes of cream flavored. cream flavored with hazelnuts. Has she just, is she a little bit delirious? I don't know. Maybe? Like, I just, right. It doesn't. Hazelnuts is a weird one, but the fact that it tastes like cream doesn't sit that oddly with me because it is fat, right? And I kind of associate yeah. cream with being really fatty and like kind of gluttonous and thick and horrible and gross. <laughs> I also I really want to know if Philip did his research on this. Did he ask somebody what blubber tastes yeah. like? Oh, or did he just make up a flavour that he thought it would taste like? Mm. Are you googling if blubber tastes like cream and yeah. hazelnuts now? <laughs> so it says when chewed raw. Uh, blubber becomes oily with a nutty taste uh, I don't appreciate that wow so it's muktuk apparently muktuk is a traditional Inuit and chukchi meal of frozen whale skin and blubber maybe we'd like it might be tasty yeah also what just it's, it's, it's for all <laughs> I mean like, the best way to eat raw meat is directly from the source because at that point it's had no contamination from yeah. the air in order to get bacteria and like bad bugs on it so it is the best way to eat it if you're gonna eat raw meat but also like the fact that she's eating like a, a warm raw kidney yeah. 
Like an apple. It's so grim. <laughs> it's fucking grim. So grim. So grim. You little savage, yeah. Lyra. I love it. And that's referring back to like chapter yeah. one or three or something when one of the scholars called her that. Like I wouldn't traditionally pull that out of my yeah. lexicon. But I don't even think one of the scholars yeah. calls her. It's just Philip just describes her as being a savage, right? I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> so Yorick wants to see Lyra. Um, and my note is see sticker 19 god he loves her so much let's see oh I just yeah it says Lyra Silverton come and hear what I'm being told and I just love that he wants her there to hear it and then it says he didn't explain her presence to the other bears or perhaps they've learned about her already but they made room for her and treated her with immense courtesy as if she were a queen she felt proud beyond measure to sit beside her friend Yorick Burnison under the aurora as it flickered gracefully in the polar sky and joined the conversation of the bears. Oh. Yeah, I love that she has a place of honour. Yeah. She has a place of honour in the court of a bear king. That is so badass. It's so badass. It's the most badass. So cool. And we learn a little bit more about what was going on with Yoffa during his reign. It turned out that Yoffa Ragnarsson's dominance over them had been like a spell. Some of them put it down to the influence of Mrs. Calder, who had visited him before Yorick's exile, though Yorick had not known about it, and given Yoffa various presents, including the drug that Yoffa used to drug the guy who's called Hjalmar Hjalmarsson. Well done. I'm assuming it's H. J sounds like an H Y. I could be wrong. It could be. It could just be Jalma Jalmason, and the H is silent. I don't know. I don't ask me. I'm terrible. But that is the bear that Yorick mm-hmm. killed, and that is the bear that Yoffa drugged. And we know that now that it was Coulter that was behind that, and that <sighs> she had some dark and scary plans for Svalbard mm-hmm. because she basically. Svalbard has always been a bear place. Humans had visited, but they never lived there for an extended period or worked there before. But little by little, Coulter was increasing her power over Yoffa and over all of the bears until the plan was basically for her to have the bears all working for her so that she could build Bolvanger 2.0 because the bears have different laws so she could do some even more horrific yep. stuff in Bolvanger 2.0. I'm not here mm-hmm. for it. It's more compounding stuff saying that Mrs. Coulter is evil, um, taking advantage of the bears and their like different laws and taking advantage of the bears and their hospitality yeah. and like the oh what's the word when you're like easily lured or persuaded? Gullible? Might be gullible. Like the gullibleness and naivety of their leader yeah. in order to like gain control over those people. That's Definitely. Grim. She is fucking so evil. Yorick asks Lyra to ask the alethiometer what Mrs. Coulter's plans will be when she learns that Yofa's dead. While they're waiting for... They can't see the alethiometer because it's too dark, so while they're waiting for one of the bears to bring a torch... She asks about Mr. Scoresby and the witches, and we find out the witches were attacked by another clan, but we don't know if they were allied with Mrs. Coulter or if it was like an infighting dispute amongst the witches that had happened... But they assume that Seraphine is going to be okay because, like, she can handle herself. Um, and that Lee got taken away in his balloon, but he's in the air, so he's fine because we know that he can take care yeah. of himself. So I confused myself. So she asks Yorick about the witches, and Yorick answers her, and then the bear pulls up. <laughs> this made me laugh, right? So the bear pulls up on a sledge with a fucking cauldron to light like a fucking twig, and it's like there's got to be a better way to do that, right? 
that you would have to I go and it. get a cauldron full of fire to come and light a torch for Lyra to look at the alethiometer. Surely that's an easier way than you having to drag that, a sledge. Their paws are so big, they can't use like a Zippo lighter. <laughs> They've got to do like the big version of everything. Oh, it must be such an effort to like just drag a fucking sledge with a cauldron on it all the time to light a fire. I love it. Also, I imagine he's like, I'm getting a light for the new king. I'm going to get the biggest, bestest oh. light I can possibly get. Ooh, I'll get this fire cauldron. So like, yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, then she asks about Lee, which we've already spoken about. And then she asks about Mrs. Coulter. And the answer is really complicated. And Lyra has to look at it for a long time um, before she can answer. She basically, so the alethiometer says that Mrs. Coulter has heard about us and she's flying this way and she's got a transport zeppelin that's armed with machine guns and they're flying to Svalbard right now. They don't know about Yerfa being beaten yet, but she will do soon. Basically, the gossip will spread about Yerfa being killed and will reach her from the cliff gas. Mm-hmm. And... Because cliff gas are gossips. Yeah, little gossipy bitches. <laughs> so it says that she's come in to pretend to help Yerfa Ragnarsson, but really she was going to take over power from him with a regiment of Tartars that's coming by sea, and they'll be there in a couple of days. And then it actually goes into a bit more about uh, as soon as she can, she's going to where Lord Azrael is being kept prisoner, and she's going to have him killed. And then she start, She says that it's because it's coming clear now uh, something I never understood before, Yorick. It's why she wants to kill Lord Asriel. It's because she knows what he's going to do and she fears it and she wants to do it herself and gain control before he does. It must be the city in the sky. It must be. She's trying to get to it first. Interesting, because we've known for a while that Colt is trying to stop Asriel from doing something and we've known a lot of stuff is coming clear to Lyra in towards the end of this chapter because she realises it is the, whatever the connection is that Asriel's trying to make to the city in the sky, that's what Coulter's trying to stop happening. But she also kind of has a bit of a realisation after this about, because the alethiometer tells her something else as well, and she realises that Coulter is also after her again as well because of something Lyra's got that Asriel wants to and that they need for whatever Asriel's experiment is. But this is the first time we get a hint that it might not be the alethiometer because Lyra's starting to doubt the interpretation because the alethiometer has a specific way of referring to itself and that's not what it's saying when it's referring to whatever this this thing is that Lyra is taking to Asriel, supposedly. So she starts to question it, but she can't think of anything else it could possibly be. So she says to everyone else, like, oh, I suppose it's the alethiometer. It's what I thought all along. I've got to take it to Asriel. But if Coulter gets it, we'll die. And like she knows Coulter wanted the alethiometer. But we've had like a little seed of doubt sown for us as to whether it's the alethiometer or not that Asriel wants. Definitely. And it's the first seed of doubt that we've had sown. And also it's interesting that Lyra kind of just puts it out of her mind. Because she we know that she's a very gut feel person and she's just gonna act on what she feels. And it's interesting that she kind of sees that and feels that, but then decides to ignore it. I think it's because she literally can't think of anything else, though. Yeah, maybe she's doubting how she's reading the alethiometer and just thinks, oh, I must have have got it wrong or something. She also realises that if she she doesn't get this thing to Lord Asriel before Coulter gets it, they'll all die. If Mrs. Coulter gets this thing, they'll all die. That's a lot to put on a child's shoulders. Oh, God, absolutely. 
As she said that, she felt so tired, so bone-deep weary and sad that to die would have been a relief. But the example of Yorick kept her from admitting it. She put the alethiometer and sat up straight. Oh my god, Lyra, you poor thing. You're so tired that you would quite happily just die right now. That is a lot. Also, for like a 12, 13-year-old to even consider dying is a lot. Unless it's like a 12, 13 year old like melodrama yeah. that's coming out. But to think about, to think to yourself as a child, wow, I actually kind of want to die right now, is horrendous. Yeah. She's like, also like being bone deep, weary, and sad. That is literally the weight of the world has been put on her shoulders yeah, right now. Absolutely. And she's already exhausted. She's already witnessed somebody that she loves get in a fight and almost die. She's already. She's been through so much. I'm not surprised that she's just like, oh, another thing that I've got to do. Get over yeah. with. <laughs> oh, God, As well. Like, she's just, she's already had so much piled on her shoulders. Do you know what? If I was Lyra, I'd be so looking forward to a time where I actually got to sleep in a bed again. Think how long it's been. And a hot bath. Yeah, and like a nice bed as well, not the ones at the station, which were just, I imagine, horrendous, but like your own bed and a bath. Oh. Girl, I feel you. So, uh, Mrs. Coulter's a few hours away, um, and Yorick says that he'll go with Lyra to Lord Azriel to give him the alethiometer, or what they think is going to be the alethiometer. Sorry, it says, She didn't argue. While Yorick gave commands and organised an armed squad to accompany them on the final part of their journey north, Lyra sat still, conserving her energy. She felt that something had gone out of her during that last reading. She closed her eyes and slept, and presently they woke her and set off. Do you think that the thing that went out of her during that last reading has something to do with the fact that she now maybe doesn't think it's the alethiometer that Azriel wants? Maybe. I wonder if it's also just that, like, it's one of the, like, longer conversations she's had for a while with the alethiometer as well. And it is, she, it is more like having a conversation now, and she, like, the description of her getting into the alethiometer and having to focus harder than before i imagine it's just like physically taking that reading has taken a lot out of her because of the level of focus she's had to achieve after having witnessed some really traumatic that's true that's true (laughs) as well and also again just this thing of being like once again lyra you've got to do this thing or we'll all die and she's like i'll rest on you good good yeah Glad, glad to hear it's all about me. <laughs> Which is, at the beginning of the book, she would have been really yeah. glad to hear it was all about her. And now she's like, why is it still all about me? Oh, God, yeah, I feel that. So that's the end of that chapter. It is. The next chapter is called Lord Asriel's Welcome. Oh, wow, are we about to see Asriel again? It's been a while. Yeah! We're about to see Bad Dad, Bad Uncle. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fun Uncle, Bad Dad. Yeah. God. This chapter, though, I thought was really good. Like, I loved the grossness, and I loved the imagery, and I loved the bear fight. It's a really epic chapter. Yeah, and it also includes my favourite moment in the entire book, so obviously I'm a bit biased towards it being a good mm-hmm. chapter. If you were to describe the main plot points of this book, this chapter would be one of them. Yeah. A lot of the other chapters are transitions to get you between things, and this is one of the big, big points that we've been, like, getting towards because it's so epic, and because... <sighs> Yorick's himself again, like he's like re reclaimed his honour mm-hmm. that he thought he'd lost and like 
it's just such a massive plot point for this character yeah. that we've grown to love as well. Definitely. Like, I really love that. It's, it's a good strong chapter. It's gory. It's got everything. It's got everything you want. Yeah. And we've yeah. only got three chapters left. Uh, we're so close to the end of the book. I know. I'm excited. And then it can make you watch the Golden Compass film. Oh, God, yeah. Also, ho- hopefully, by the time we finish the book, I might actually be able to see you at yours or my house in order to watch that. That's true. That would be nice. That is true. Do you uh, have an award to give out? Of course I do. It's obviously for Yorick, because he's fucking great. (laughs) Full stop. Nothing else needed. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Mine is for the she-bears. Oh, she-bears, we see you. (laughs) Justice for the she-bears. Get out of that enclosure. I'm hoping under Yorick's rule that that's not a thing still. Oh god, definitely. She bear rights for she bears, yep. equality for she bears. Absolutely. Yorick has to has to do better than his predecessor. If that is the aim of any ruler, is to do better than your predecessor. Do better, Yorick. Yeah. I mean I'd like to see that in our will too, but you know. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash HDMPod. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. I'm Faye and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, I'm probably writing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Faye, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E triple Y. And if you want to read some of my old blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.Ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about epic bear fights, I'm making designer toys, art and illustrations. You can find me over on Instagram at Rachmakes, on Twitter at Rach underscore makes, and in my online shop rachmakes.co.uk. A big thanks to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings, as always. And we'll see you in a week's time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Take breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Stay safe. We love you. Bye.